You've found the podcast where driving matters. Whether you haul, commute, or cruise, we want you to love what you drive. We're here to help you find usability and fun. From first-time buyers to jaded experts, we believe everyone is one great car away from being car-obsessed. I'm Paul. I'm Todd. And this is the Everyday Driver Car Debate. I have a legitimate question for our audience. Happy Tuesday, by the way. We have had this question come in from a couple of different angles. Should we be on TikTok? Oh my God. I, I can't imagine that we have a need to be on TikTok, but we have actually seen others on TikTok. We've had people ask us about TikTok. Now, not many, mind you. We had a manufacturer ask us recently if we were on TikTok. I was going to say, it's, it's more from an advertising and, standpoint. And, and, I'm, yeah. and I'm trying, I know this is going to feel like get off my lawn, but I'm trying <laughs> to figure out the benefit to us of being on TikTok. Maybe I am missing it. If you are a huge TikTok person and you wish we were on TikTok, I would be more than happy to read that email. Hi, by the way. Happy Tuesday. Welcome back to the podcast. This is where our head's at this morning. <laughs> we're already talking about TikTok. We've got our next podcast episode, which is number 675. That is going to be all qu- car questions live streamed. Not on our main Everyday Driver channel, but on the Test Drive channel. An easy way to find that is just simply go to Mm everydaydriver.com. The second tab from the left is the YouTube channels, and you can choose either Test Drive if you're doing drive homework, or the main YouTube channel for all the prior videos from seasons, which, by Mm -hmm. the way, are coming soon. Season 10 is out on Amazon Prime, and then everything is coming to uh, YouTube soon. Although the Bronco versus Wrangler is already out. That was from Season 10. And on Thursday of this week, we are dropping the GR86 versus the MX-5 RF. That is coming to YouTube this week. Yeah, right, right. So we are pushing out Season 10 with a lot closer proximity to when it was actually airing on Motor Trend Cable Channel. We also got it out on Amazon Prime. We're trying to close the gap here, so everybody's kind of a little bit more of a family together. We're all kind of watching it at around the same time. (laughs) Yeah. Well, we've got a great topic Tuesday because we're back to car conclusions. We are. And it has been a long time, mm-hmm. and I want to compliment all of you listening because you've been doing a great job sending us all your car conclusions, whether it's from two, three, four, ten, fifteen hundred years ago. Yes, exactly. Or we've been all around just a while. recently. Yeah. And I love that you're putting whether you were covered on the podcast and your episode number or whether you weren't and you just got a wild hair, you've been thinking about it for a while. Yep. I love the, the thinking and, mm-hmm. and how it's affecting everybody to go get something they love. So we're jumping right in with Tom K from episode 560. You remember Tom because his episode was about the date night car. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. He says it's been a strange and wonderful 2020. Yes. Lessons learned. <laughs> it was, thinking it was odd, confirmed. Yes. But he says last year he wrote looking for a date night car for she who must be obeyed in quotes. I remember that, yes. And he says, you guys gave great recommendations, and he promptly ignored all of them. (laughs) But it got him thinking. This (laughs) is the key thing. I mean, we hope that the stuff that we recommend will help you find something you love, but that doesn't necessarily mean you'll find something you love that is one of the things we recommended. We could be way off in the weeds, and you're like, you know what that makes me think of? We're never way off in the weeds. And you grab your wallet, and you spend twice as much, and you buy the thing, and you write into us and tell us about it. It's great. Well, Tom did a lot of drive homework, including a two-day driving school at Bondurant, now Radford Racing. Yeah. They spent two days ripping around a track in Hellcats. She Who Must Be Obeyed is now an acronym. She also did that school with Tom. This sent him down the rabbit hole of high horsepower muscle cars Mm -hmm. because he and his wife got addicted to the supercharger wine (laughs) and instant thrust. Of course you did. At some point around lunch, they looked at each other and said, we need this in our life. And it took a while to kind of shake that off. Yeah. You get like matching tattoos and suddenly you're back to the Van Halen era. Possibly. "Ah." Yeah. All right. Well, they went and test drove Mustangs and Camaros, the CT4 Blackwing, C6 and C7 Corvettes. 
all of these test drives got him thinking about the slow car fast versus fast car slow conundrum. That's key. Well, as luck would have it, he got to spend a long weekend driving a new Shelby GT500. Mm. Holy moly. Family member has got one, so when they went to visit for a week, that's why you went to visit for a week. (laughs) Oh, you have that car now? We haven't seen you in like 10 years, but you got that car? We're going to be there next month. Thanks for the guest room and the breakfast, but can I drive your car? Yeah. So he got a lot of seat time, which confirmed he's more of a slow, car, fast kind of person. Now, this is what's interesting, is that, remember, when they were at Bondurant on a racetrack, having racetrack days, they wanted crazy power. He's now got crazy power on the street, and he realizes this doesn't make sense. This doesn't make any sense at all. I need a slow car to drive it faster. His thinking was also changed on paddle-shifted autos. He had been thinking about a manual transmission, but then his head was turned by the transmission in the GT500. Okay. Yeah. So the car conclusion and then the change of daily driver, it it all changed. (laughs) Because on that same week-long trip with the GT500, he borrowed a Honda S2000. Interesting. almost opposite ends. This is pretty much the bookends of car culture right there. Like sports sports car. Absolutely. Not necessarily all cars. Automatic, crazy power, built on a a muscle car chassis. Yeah. Yeah. Manual transmission, not crazy power, got to wind it out like crazy, one of the best manuals ever, and convertible. That's tiny. true. That's yeah. true. Well, so he took his wife for a ride through the backwoods of Minnesota with the top down in the S2K. He had no idea she was a VTEC junkie. Here they've been talking about superchargers yeah. and rocket kinds of how, thrust. How do we get all of that supercharger wine in our life? But, but he was driving this S2000, and when it got up, into, it hit VTEC, yo. It did. When oh, it got up yeah. into the second cam, she was like, oh, I love that sound. I used to have a prelude. I love this. Uh, this is so cool. I could see us owning a car like this, which is as different <laughs> from where they scratch. were as possible. What, honey? How did I never know this about you? He says, yes, his family member, if he could, would consider selling the car. He's got too many to drive, so he accepted Tom's offer, which wow. means he's now the owner of an 07 Honda S2000 with 19,000 miles Talk about on it. don't drive your car. 19,000 miles is 2007? He said date night car achieved not only that, but that is an amazing find. An 07, so that is AP2, the second gen when they wow. I mean the second uh, half when they refined it a bit. Mm-hmm. Those are the one you want. Those are the ones going for good money. 19,000 miles is brand new. Totally. Not even broken in yet. Well, then he got tired of his daily because, you know, S2000 <laughs> entered his life. Yeah, for sure. He had a Lincoln MKZ. He says that was was a great commuter, but really boring. But because of COVID, he's no longer driving 80 miles round trip five days a week, and so he doesn't need the boring, solid, comfortable, and reliable hybrid. So enter the change in thinking mm. on paddle-shifted transmissions, okay. along with our constant praise of the Alpha Julia. We have mentioned it at least once, yes. The local Alpha dealer advertised a 2019 TI Sport, went to take a look and a test drive, and it turns out he was blown away. <laughs> he said, I went specifically for drive homework. I was going to go down. I've never driven one. I've rarely seen one. I'm going to go dra- down. I'm going to drive it and think about it. He went down and came home with the car. It wasn't even <laughs> like, I'll come back. It was like, I need this in my life. A TI Sport with 7,000 miles is now his daily, and he has the S2000 as his date car. And that garage, Tom, is awesome. It's great. That Alpha Tom has a quicker steering rack ratio than 
most sports cars, not to mention most sedans. Yeah, it does. It's in the mid 11s. It's like middle. It's it's very similar to the, the S two thousand actually, which is pretty. I mean, Caymans yeah. get down there just because of a variable ratio, but it's not all the time. These things hang out at a, like an eleven to one or eleven yeah, like five and five one. or something. Yeah, it's crazy. It's nuts, and you have felt that. So you now have two brilliant handling cars: yeah. one sedan, one sports car. I love this. My question for you, Tom, is: Does your wife like the Alpha now? Do you swap yeah. cars? Do you just say? Whoever's leaving the house first in the morning. I'm taking this one. It's a surprise for whatever your spouse <laughs> left you to drive. There you go. And it neither is bad. That's a good point. I do like that. Thanks for writing, Tom. We now have an auto parts partnership with CarParts.com. CarParts.com is the smarter way to shop for auto parts. Their fast, mobile-friendly experience makes it easy to shop for the parts you need when you need them. Just enter the year, make, and model of your vehicle, start shopping, and start saving. It really is that simple. CarParts.com stocks their own inventory, cutting out the middleman and passing the savings on to you, and they're offering even more savings for our audience. Whether you've been in a collision, working on your project car, or need to catch up on maintenance, visit CarParts.com slash EverydayDriver for 10% off of $100 or more on select brands. Get the right parts right now at CarParts.com. Bo writes in from Sedona, Arizona. He said uh, he was in midlife analysis paralysis redo. And this is also the person that introduced to us the Nurburger King ring. <laughs> so he is writing back exactly. in and telling us his follow-up on the situation. He had a lot of test driving to do. Yes. And he says he took all of our suggestions very seriously. So seriously, in fact, he sent us a long breakdown mm-hmm. to his responses to all of the suggestions we had, as well as clarifications, But for the Where Are They Now kind of podcast, kind of update here, he started with episode one with the podcast, went back, as many people are. What's funny is we're getting quite a few emails now with people who have gone back or in the midst of listening to older episodes, and we talk about a price of a car. Oh, yeah. And everybody goes, oh, how sweet. Those were the days. Yeah. Back when cars were reasonable. Uh I'd totally buy a car for that price now. It's sad, but it is happening Yeah, it really is. Well, Bo test drove 981 Cayman GT4. It's 2016. Mm-hmm. Says it was really nice. Checked a lot of boxes, but <laughs> it was missing the violent thrust he's gotten used to in the Z06. Okay. Hello, supercharger. Yeah. He felt it, well, it felt a little reserved as a result, low clearance. And then he says 718 Cayman GT4s were completely out because, of course, hot demand. Yeah, for sure. Big and mark up there. Trying to deal with, hey, the dealership called and said, the car's in. You better get down here quick. It's selling for $25,000 more. So he went through a lot of that. Mm-hmm. He also checked out the Lotus Evora GT. Unfortunately, it was the automatic, he says. But he extrapolated what the shifting would be like. He loves the car, but he wasn't quite sure. He said it had the same problem he did with the GT4. Nothing but praises, but just weren't fast enough for him. Okay. All right. Wow. Going to the R8, he says he was dispassionate about it. It's a little sterile for his use case, so he dropped it. McLaren 570Ss were completely out since they were inflated in price, and they were all $160,000 plus. And he didn't want the first-gen 12C because those are known for electrical gremlins. I mean, they're really cool when the key fob works properly. We've actually had that experience ourselves. Yeah, right. Yeah. He also found a Ferrari FF for $136,000 because, you know, who doesn't want a V12? Sure, sure. Let's just get an FF while we're here. Let's just do that. But what's funny is he says the engine was in the wrong location mm-hmm. and the spec sheet wasn't impressive enough to try and risk a used and possibly costly Ferrari ownership. Uh-huh. Not possibly. It will be costly. There, there will be cost. Yeah. The bring, bring your wallet and leave it at the dealer is probably the simpler <laughs> so, thing to do. Take the just, car home, leave your wallet. I'll yeah. T- 
it's like a wine locker at your local <laughs> you go, yep. you know, club. You just leave your golf clubs behind, you leave the wine there, and you leave your wallet right there for them to use. Well, he also checked out the M2CS. He didn't get a chance to check it out thoroughly, but he likes the BMW Performance Center and Thermal because we determined it was about five hours from where he is in Sedona, Arizona. Yeah. He says he thought about the Janetta suggestion and the Spec Racer Fords. Yeah, you had some sheer track cars involved. They, they were pretty there. hardcore, yeah. but he says he couldn't find very many suppliers selling them, and he couldn't try them out, of course. He, he wanted to try them on track. But he's very fond of driving his track car to the track. Yes, which makes which Fair makes enough. those out. Yeah, I get that. He looked into radical race cars, and he says everything was just too pricey at that point. So he decided to go a different direction. Yes. He asked his minister of finance a lot of questions, and she had a lot of specific criteria for this new car. Mm-hmm. Is the passenger seat comfortable for her? Yeah. Is it in close proximity to a... OSG, the, yes. the grab handle. Where is my handle? What am I hanging on to when I become terrified, and how easily can I reach said handle? <laughs> Does the sound system connect properly to her iPhone or anything so she can play the music she wants? Uh-huh. Are there seat heaters and dual-zone climate control? Can she be sufficiently distracted with horse ownership? <laughs> you know, honey, what? you don't have to like this car, but do you like this horse? She's a fresh horse owner. That is that is funny. He said he said now frankly that is just his wife specifically. But <laughs> but the key thing I'm seeing here is that the really hardcore stuff drops away. Mm. Because if you mm. want her to understand why you bought it and go with you ever or possibly drive it herself, there are requirements you have to you have to meet with her and some of this more hardcore stuff just isn't going to work. Well, the end result is that he bought a 2015 991.1 GT3 Porsche 911. Okay. He said it was significantly cheaper than the point two. Mm-hmm. yes, but still had 95% of the things that they were looking for. Yes. Yes, it does. 52,000 miles on it. He doesn't have to feel bad for adding more miles, which you're going to do. And that engine was replaced under the Porsche warranty very recently. Remember when they first dropped that generation GT3? Yeah. Is In the first year the first or so, yeah. they said, oh, we've got to replace all of these engines of all of these cars. This car was underneath that replacement, and the engine was just replaced. So he has a 50,000-mile car with about a 2,000-mile engine. Phenomenal. Well, he couldn't resist, so he bought it. And, as it turns out, that GT3 is cheaper to insure, cheaper on tires, brakes, and some of the other wear items. Huh. In comparison to a C7 Z06. Interesting. Okay. Wow. Good Bo. find, man. Well done. Well bought. And he sent a picture of it. It is silver. It does look great. Please drive it, especially since you've got a new engine in it. And yes. Plan road trips. Get out to the track. Do things with that car and come join us on our Utah adventure. That'd be great. Here's one of those fun car conclusions that happens not because we did an initial podcast about it at all. Brendan's writing in with his car conclusion, having never written us for a car debate, but just listening to the podcast and gleaning stuff. Mm -hmm. He went out and started shopping, and this is where we go. He spent the last year working his way backwards through episodes of the podcast. Wow, okay. By the way, I think it gets worse in that direction. If you start here and go back... Anyway, I do. Th- there, there, you know, there's something funny about if you jump to episode one from where we are right now, almost 700 episodes in, and you go, "Wow, <laughs> like, these guys have come a long way." But at true. least then we're getting better as you listen. If you listen backwards, it's like the slow descent into madness. I feel like, but thank you for doing it. I really appreciate. Very true. It. Well, he's 34, living in Seattle. No partner, or kids in the picture. His ownership history is full of small, lightweight, practical cars for fun city driving, like a 2013 Smart 42, a 2010 Honda Fit. 
and a 2013 Mazda 2. I like your thinking. I mean, I don't love the Smart 4 2, but I love the small stuff for the city. That's great. I yeah, love that it. is great. Well, he's been a gear ad all of his all of his life, but it never occurred to him that he could daily a sports car uh-huh. until he listened to the podcast. Yeah, we've talked about that at least twice. We have. Yeah. He resurrects that scene in Dumber and Dumber where the bus full of Hawaiian Tropic models pulls up next to Harry and Lloyd. And then suddenly it dawns on them. Or doesn't, actually. You'll have to excuse my friend here. The town is back that way. (laughs) Oh, no. Anyway. So great. Well, earlier this year, he tentatively landed on a second-gen Subaru BRZ, but then he found out about the fussy BMW-style turn signal stock with no detents. Mm, Okay. So it just irritated him. Fast forward a few months, and he's now the happy owner of an FRS from 2016. Got a great deal, and he says the car feels almost brand new with only 25,000 miles. Like it. Despite the torque dip, the car feels like a rocket ship compared to his 100-horsepower Mazda 2. Because comparatively it is. That's why. <laughs> that's not just you. That's exactly what's going on there, Brendan. Yes. Appreciate you writing, Brendan, and the update. Then we go to Michael H. in Colorado, who thanks us for leading a good friend and he back to the joys of driving. I'm thrilled to hear that. That's fantastic. Yeah, for sure. He's always been a car guy. His first being a 91 MR2, Mm. followed by an Integra GSR, a Gallant VR4, an 89 turbocharged Civic. You remember the 95 Del Sol VTEC? Yes, I do. They were really cool. That is cool. A year 2000 Civic, also turboed. And his last fun car purchased in 2010, which is an 03 RSX Type S. Mm. But then as life propelled him forward into a new career, he traded that for a RAV4 in 2016. So he's out of fun cars and into an SUV now. Yeah. yeah. Well, then he moved to Hawaii and then back, bought, bought a house and started raising two toddlers at home. Wow. Okay. Stuff has happened. Amazing. Life has invaded. You're an adult now. <laughs> it was time to search again for a fun car. Their family car is a 2018 Forerunner SR5, third row seating. They also have a 99 Honda CRV because that's what they traded the RAV4 in on, uh-huh. yeah. in on the Forerunner. But he realizes he's been on the hunt for the last few years before finally getting wife approval. Okay. Sure. It felt as if this fun car purchase would be his last for many, many years. Oh, and he's come only on. 38. Come on. No. Yeah. You, okay. Anyway, moving on. Most of the cars he's interested in have seen a bit of resurgence in popularity. <laughs> you think? Yeah. It's happened to all of us. And it's carrying the bring-a-trailer tax. It's no longer the Porsche tax anymore. The bring-a-trailer tax. I was talking to a friend of mine. You know, Nathan. I was talking yeah. to a friend of mine the other night, and we were talking about cars. And he's not massively embedded in cars like we are. He likes them. He kind of like tangentially likes them. And I realized over the course of conversation that the only site he checks to see what cars are worth is bring-a-trailer. Oh, no, 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 no. That's not, the, that's not what they're actually worth. That's what people are paying. Now, you're seeing the best of the best options. <sighs> but he, we were talking about inflation in cars because, of course, that has happened across the board, and that is truth, and I get it. But his whole reference of what things cost is because the only side he happens to check. Because he's like he, because his car, his life's not about cars. But when he thinks about what, are, yeah, what are those like right now? He goes to bring a trailer and he gets terrified. And I'm like, of course exactly. you are. Well, that's yeah. like checking the Dream Homes catalog or the Summit Sotheby's catalog. For, yes, I wonder what houses cost. No, 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 no. All right. Well, jumping back in here, he looked at a '91 NSX. Wow, this was a project, a forty thousand dollar project that would require more than twenty grand to get where he wanted. He also looked at a 91 MR2. That's because you weren't done with it. Yeah, you weren't, for sure. He was very close to importing a 92 Prelude SRV from Canada, but he says he wasn't able to see the car in person. Mm. He didn't really want to do that. He and his wife work in healthcare, so travel is tough right now. All of these options were in addition to the countless other Craigslist find he emailed and obsessed over the last three years. The disease is strong. It's great, though. I really do like it. 
He then tried to look at cars more object- objectively. Good luck with that. Uh-huh. And seek out features he wanted versus pure nostalgia. Right. So then when we released that $8,000 sports car challenge mm-hmm. from September 2021, yep. it was as if the hunt took a turning point. He suddenly was like, oh, wait, these cars are interesting. Mike says his good friend from high school started searching for BMW Z4s, and he realized he wanted a convertible. Several weeks ago, his friend found an 06 Z4 3.0 SI. Awesome. That trim that he really wanted. He says the car is fantastic, only 30,000 miles. That sounds great. Oh, brilliant. See, that's what that cheap car challenge did. Mm-hmm. We got tr- tried to get the cheapest but still kind of nice versions. You could spend double that and get a really well, nice example could. of the same car and just great. No, the whole intention there, and we've had a few questions on this, the, the cars that were in that piece were not all cars that were currently for sale. They were all placeholder cars for those models of which there were many for sale under $8,000. The one that was the funny one is the the BMW Z3 that we were having trouble finding one that was representative in our area. So we went and bought one with the help of the new owner for less than $5,000. At a shady dealer in Vegas yes. near the airport. Yes. Everything that we do to, that is wrong, it we did it again. It wasn't at night, fortunately. It but, wasn't. You know. but, 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 but one Two step further, you and I weren't there. At least, with the, at least with the Maserati was bought, we were there. This would we just chance got on a plane, went down to Vegas, and came back with a car. It was at night out of a bail bond lawyer's office during yes. the day, and then it's a shady dealer at night. This is how we buy cars at Vegas, apparently. So, but we bought that one. But but everything else was personally an owned car by somebody that was there, and they brought it. But that car was representative of pages of cars available for under eight grand. That got these guys thinking. Got many people thinking. What I like here is that Mike, after his buddy finds this Z4, Mike finds a year two thousand. Toyota MR2 Spider in yellow. Now, I like the story already right there, but here's the crazy thing. That car has a engine history related to the engine in my Lotus Elise, but it is not the engine in my Lotus Elise. Mm-hmm. There mm-hmm. is a, I, I hate to say common, but I'm going to say known swap where you put the Lotus engine in the MR2 Spider. This 2000 MR2 Spider in yellow already had that swap done. So he has the Amazing. nearly 200 horsepower, crazy dual cam Lotus Elise engine in that MR2 Spider. He found it already completed and sorted. Yeah, so good that he didn't have any thoughts like, wow, this is not going to be reliable. Yeah. It's, the, the job was done so well. And it was done by this his state's resident MR2 expert. So you know it was going to be great. Yeah. And he had custom coilovers, so he bought it for twelve grand plus some random car parts. Twelve grand is a steal for that. Already no done with the swapping. That's great. So now he says he owns a poor man's Lotus Elise, and he yeah. sent a photo, and it is in yellow. I know that buttercup yellow. I know it's crazy. Never did he think he'd be driving a mid-engine convertible with a red line at eighty-two hundred RPM. And he says the joys of analog and exhilarating driving are back in his life. I love it. But Mike, you did it for twelve grand. Yes, you that found is key. it. You searched hard, mm-hmm. and you did it. He says it's not perfect. It needs a CV boot and a clamp and little things here and there. But he says it, it validated his search. He didn't mm-hmm. have to go spend $50,000 to get that feeling. Well, but he al- it also, he discussed about the fact that he wouldn't have looked this way if it hadn't been for the crazy, ridiculous things you and I do on this show. And he's, he's glad that he was able to connect. This is what we talk about all the time. He was able to connect the reality of he has a normal life with normal budgets and normal needs, but this desire to drive something crazy fun. And those feel divergent. Yeah. Like those two paths will never connect. And he connected it for $12,000, and so did his buddy. Mike, that's awesome. I love it. Matt H. writes to us from episode 408 from June 2019. About the same car, 
but having a new experience. You know how one time we joked about keeping your same car and buying a new house? That means you moved to a different state near some driving roads and you took advantage <laughs> of your car? <laughs> That's the, almost what happened The car here. got fun because the roads got better. The car's the same. It's just, this is a more fun car now. Yeah. <laughs> Since his debate, episode 408, he got married, switched jobs, moved cities, and bought a house. You did all, you of, did them, all exactly. of the things that add stress to life. You did them all at once. But bravo. Okay. He says all of these are expensive things, and the car has remained a reliable constant. It's like he's having a brand new experience in it. Mm. It's still a 2014 Mazda 6 mm-hmm. with 150,000 miles, but the roads beneath the tires have changed dramatically. So it feels totally different. He's enjoying driving because the surroundings have gotten more fun to drive. And that makes, here, here's the thing we've also talked about. If you, if you only have the opportunity to do Pacific Coast Highway or Million Dollar Highway in a minivan, you should still go. If your options are don't go at all or go in something that's not fun to drive, you should still go. But here he is in a car he thought was fine, and now the road got great, and the car's kind of cool now. (laughs) Instead of commuting 45 very straight miles on a rural highway, he's driving six miles on a winding, hilly residential road into a major city. (laughs) Be careful. (laughs) Be careful. Especially the residential. Look out. There are driveways, but I get the fun for sure. You cannot apex at your neighbor's trash can on Thursday mornings when they set their trash out. It's not a cone. Also because he put it out a different place than he did last week, so the apex has shifted. I'm just letting you know. Yeah. He says, who knew this car had decent dynamics? Parentheses. Probably everyone except for me. Well, you know. But you've discovered it. Mm -hmm. You've discovered the low-end torque. You've discovered driving your car, which is a small price to pay for this new car he's acquired. We're thrilled that that's happened to you. Finally, Yasha in Dallas, Texas, writes to us from episode 619. He wanted to provide a car conclusion because he started to go down the wild card option route Mm -hmm. that, Todd, you had mentioned of getting a Civic Type R, GTI, or Fiesta ST as the third car for hauling duties. But then he thought, well, I really want to stay with the two-car solution, Mm -hmm. two-car garage, and he worked from home. So then he started going down the rabbit trail of a Panamera, searching hard for a GTS. (laughs) Got it. Like it. Found a clean one in Atlanta, but waited too long, so he lost that one. And then he saw the Cadillac CT4 V-Series Blackwing, Mm -hmm. looked at the specs, and he he thought, this is done. Yeah, Yeah. We're done. Built to his options, a 2022 CT4 Blackwing in manual was $69,000. Okay. So naturally, he called his Cadillac dealer and said, hey, you got any? <laughs> sure, we've got four sitting on the lot. Yeah. <laughs> These are unsold. Well, they did have a couple already sold, and they did have some, so they let him sit in it and test fit it. He said, well, yeah, it's okay. And he's test, to fit. he's test fitting rear-facing child seats. So they right, had them right. that were already sold but hadn't left yet. So he was able to go in, fit himself, fit the rear-facing child seats, and be like, okay, this is possible, but it wasn't available because those were sold. Yeah, he was ready, but then he thought, well, as they got closer to, to the delivery date, with supply chain issues, the delivery was changed to the end of January 2022, and then he said, all right. But then he, of course, started looking at other options. Because we're car people. Case. Yeah, for sure. Mm-hmm. So he continued down the rabbit trail, headed towards Panamera land. <laughs> found good ones in the upper 70s. He thought okay. that was a little high. He looked at a Porsche Macan GTS. He drove it. Felt great and fast. He even put a deposit on one. Interesting. Okay. But as he was leaving the dealership. So wait, 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 wait. <laughs> he, he was chasing Panameras. Uh, yes. He drives a Macan, goes, okay, this this uh, this." 
makes it done. I should put a deposit down on the Macan. And as he's leaving the Porsche dealer, he sees, well, they've got a Mercedes dealer exactly. right here, too. I should go over there. And so he the deposited to the Blackwing. The, the, well, but yeah, he, yeah, exactly. The deposit's <laughs> behind him, still yeah. cooling on the manager's desk for the Macan. And he's now overdriving a Mercedes. What's over here? And he says, well, they had in stock a U-C63S AMG and an E53 AMG. Both of those will be quite fast. Yes. He looked hard at that C63. He always loved it, but he thought the back seats were a touch too small with those two rear-facing yes, car seats. Yes, that would be tough. So he took out the E53 AMG, mm-hmm. and he was sold right <laughs> then and there. So, so what I want to know, honestly, what I want to know is, did you drive the AMG you were buying across the street to the Porsche dealer to get your deposit back? That's what I want to know. Did you pull into the lot? <laughs> I'm wondering if it's like the same dealer group. So, hey, that, that deposit, can you just transfer that to the other finance unit over here? He had looked hard at my 1M idea, and he found a Gen 1 M2 within budget. But again, those rear seats That's an issue. small. That's an issue. He liked Todd's idea of selling the wife's Lincoln, getting the Cayenne. Because he found one for $48,000 at that dealership where he drove the Macan. But then... She thought, ah, nah, it's unreasonable to get a car more expensive, three years older and more miles than her current car. I can see that logic. In spite of the fact it would have been much more fun to drive, I can totally see the logic. So because he had been waiting on that Blackwing, he went ahead and bought that E-Class. He was glad he did as his son was born four weeks early. Mm. And he says already he's needed to use that car to haul both kids around and all four of them fit great. I love it. That's great. Yasha, thank you so much for writing. Really appreciate it. Continue to send your Topic Tuesdays, your car conclusions, and your car debates. Yep. EverydayDriverTV at gmail.com. Love hearing from you guys. Our friends at Griot's Garage have got a new line of ceramic products to make your car care easier and more satisfying than ever. Start with the new Ceramic Wash & Coat, an ultra-slick formula that can be used with either the bucket wash method, which I like, or a foaming sprayer, which I also like, or a cannon, which I also like. We actually take... Griot's Speed Shine with us on every single shoot. It's the ultimate for quick detailing, and it now has ceramic protection as well. Ceramic Speed Shine maintains a slippery gloss finish in between your main washing and protection days. And they even have ceramic trim wipes for long-lasting protection on plastic trim. Try any of these products or use them as your new wash routine. They are 100% guaranteed, and all their liquor products are made in the USA. Don't forget to use the code EDRIVER when you order at griotsgarage.com. Our audience gets 15% off liquids and 10% off everything else. That's G-R-I-O-T-S. Enjoy the finest quality car care products you can buy at griotsgarage.com. Now we have a fun car debate from Max who's writing in. And it's, it's, Max is the latest person to write in and make me feel like I was a car guy that didn't do it right when I was younger. Because I was a car guy, big time. I, 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 was, I was that kid before I was driving. I knew all the stats. And I meet kids that were my equivalent now at Cars and Coffee, and they throw stats at me until my eyes glaze over, and I just think, you know what, I got to come back to reality because I was that kid, okay? So I was definitely that person. (laughs) And then I, you know, inherited a string of boring cars, and it felt very, very far away. So I didn't get into fun cars until I was late 20s, and that was a Nissan 300ZX non-turbo used car, automatic, but at least you did. I, I mean, did. And that's eventually, let's be honest, the progression leads to this show. But what's funny is we're starting to get emails now from people under 25 mm-hmm. who have already driven and owned lots of interesting things. And the stuff they're looking at, I'm like, you're 
kidding me? I and that's know. where we are with Max. I know. I, I was the same way, but money is an issue. For sure it is, of course. It depends it, entirely on the kind of jobs you get. What, what Basically, what this means is that my, my job choices in life were poor. That's really what it means. <laughs> I, I went chasing the film industry, and somebody else went into something else and was like, I have money now. And I was like, well, that's nice for you. <laughs> Well, Max lives in Toronto. He's a relatively young guy. Yes, absolutely. He's 24. He's looking to upgrade to a new fun car. This car has to be somewhat usable in the snow because Toronto. Okay. He doesn't have space to park another car. He also doesn't drive to work every day, so this is just for road trips and groceries. Okay, Okay. yeah. He has a 1978 Volvo 242 GT. Okay, okay. 242 GT, which he drives all year round, and it's been great. Extremely reliable, easy to work on, kind of fun to toss around. And he says he likes the smaller, lower horsepower cars like his father's 944 and finds a lot of the newer cars to be too big. Okay. They've got a car lift at home and he's half decent with a wrench, he says, so he doesn't mind working on a used car. He's looking at about $30,000 for a budget. Mm-hmm. Max, that's fantastic. It's at 24, excellent. I was driving a Honda Accord. Yes, but what's crazy is... Which is fine, but I mean, I wasn't even close to thinking like you are no, at this age. No, no, no. But he's looking at enthusiast icon cars. He was looking mm-hmm. at old Evos, maybe an STI, and then he starts to go off the deep end. 996911, <laughs> the, the much lauded and fantastic king of the M3s, the E46 M3, maybe an E92 M3. You should get the E90 and really shock people. And then, of course, he also considered the brand new GR86, and then he stops... And he goes somewhere in the middle of this email. This is a short email. This is three paragraphs. This is normally the kind of revelation that happens like three scrolls into an email. He's three paragraphs in. He goes, you know what I should do? I'm 24, and I love the idea of an old, exotic car. What if I bought a Ferrari Mondial and drove that for groceries and road trips and in the snow occasionally. Would a Ferrari Mondial be okay for me with a good set of winter tires? I've worked on a 308. It was a pain but not impossible. What if I did that? Max, my jaw hit the floor when I read that. I mean, it's one thing for somebody who's had cars and has, you know, job, money, other things in life are kind of taken care of. He's... You know, you've achieved financial milestones in your life, and you're thinking, Ferrari Mondial, Ferrari 308. You're 24. Yeah. And I'm guessing you'd be getting rid of your 1978 Volvo to get a Mondial. Talk about the jump there. Yeah. But here's the the ridiculous part of the joke. The joke would be, well, I went with a 10-year newer car. (laughs) Well, maybe. Like, six-year newer car. I got a much newer car. I got a Ferrari Mondial. I just, wow. I'm laughing at the... It seems absurd. For $30,000, you're not getting a Mondial. Agreed. For $30,000, you're not getting a Ferrari 308 because those have jumped. Yes. Hate to say it. Yes. But there is somebody that we've all seen, hopefully at this point, Brian's questionable decisions on Instagram, uh-huh. who is drive or has driven his 308 or 328. I'm pretty sure it's a 308. I'm not sure. 308 yeah. up to, I think, almost to Barrow, Alaska, Yep. to the oil fields up mm-hmm. there. And it did it. Mm-hmm. It was fine. There That's- were many stops and much maintenance along the way. <laughs> yeah. But the photos are epic, and he did it. It's astounding to me. Yes, you're going to be dumping money into the car. But for that guy, it didn't seem like that was Brian's only car. Clearly not. 
And he clearly had uh, the the income and the back catalog of cash to go do this for a few months and enjoy himself. Yeah, indeed. So for a Ferrari, uh, an older Ferrari, to be your only car, hmm, that's a tough one. It's really tough. I'd I, almost say get an even newer car, which would still be twenty years old, mm. and just do a cheap sports car. Just pick one of the ones mm-hmm. out of the the film that we did, out of the eight thousand dollars. Oh, sure, yeah, yeah. And live with that mm-hmm. because yes, you can daily, you can do the road trips and the you know grocery getter and put yeah. it on winter tires yeah. and get around in the snow. You could, but I'm worried for you that this will be the the money dump that you at your age doesn't want. I, I've joked about it, but mm-hmm. man, Mondials just to get an even a, a late '80s one, not to mention the early '90s, which are the real desirable ones. Yeah. yeah. Those are fifty thousand and up. They might be even more than that. They might be closer to seventy at this point. Whew. And to keep that running like a a car you're used to just running like mm-hmm. that Volvo. Yeah, I'm kind of not surprised that Volvo just runs. I agree. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But it isn't going to be like that. Mm-hmm. I know you've got the wrenching capability, but for your only car, I am going to caution on this one. I say get a cheap, get a Z3. Start with a Z3. Uh-huh. Just go get yourself a Z3 of any gear, any yeah, engine. Yeah. Don't care. Yeah. Start with a Z3. Because that's going to need care and feeding. It will, but the comparative cost is going to be so much better. Yeah. I think the Z3 or anything out of that cheap sports car thing would be worthwhile. I think it's interesting that you're looking at the GR86, and I do want to ask if you looked at the first gen, the 86 or the BRZ, did you look at that? I think that's a worthwhile one as well. I also think if we're if we're leaning a little bit exotic, Max, which I, I think it's amazing that you even can at this age, I have two thoughts for you. You could look at early Boxsters or Caymans. They sure. will require care and sure. feeding, but you can get them for under thirty grand. Not like a three hundred eight will. Exactly, <laughs> the parts are plentiful. They're going to be much more modern. They're going to be much more reliable. I like your BMW E forty six M three a lot. I really do. But those cars, uh, talk about care and feeding. That is, go- they're going to need stuff instantly. Really good ones are going to be twice your budget. Ones that are ready to just run. Right, they're going to be twice your budget. And of those, you want one that hasn't been modified to start with. You want just a good one that yep. nobody's cut through the. Wiring harness, but and everybody took great and, care of it. Or you get yeah. one that's right in your budget, and there, I'm just going to say it right now: subframe. There's going to be yeah, stuff going yeah. on in the E46. So this led me to an, a, a wild card for you, though, Max, because what I, what I like about this, the the part of it I want to encourage is the part that no parent would ever encourage, and that is let's get a 24 year old in an exotic car, but not a Mondial, mm. and not mm. at 30 grand is the problem because the car you want at 30 grand, it, it's just you're not going to wind up with something you can drive as your only car. Look at it this way, Max. You've got time to go get that Mondial yes, R308. You yes, you, you do. Have plenty of time. They will be around. Save your money. Make it your second car. Uh-huh. But then you still have something that will run. It's not like, ah, well, I can't eat because the car's on the lift. Yeah, fair. I fair, guess fair. I'll walk or take public transportation yeah. or do something to go get my errands done. Do, do you want that scenario? I hear you. I'm asking. So I, but mm. nevertheless, keep us posted with whatever you decide. We're offering you the caution and you're 24. I can't imagine an insurance agent licking their chops at somebody <laughs> coming in because you're going to, going to need to put regular miles on it. It's not yeah. like a classic yeah. car kind of insurance, which yeah. Haggerty can certainly cover, but that's mm-hmm. you know minimal miles. Yeah, true. I, I, mm, I have one wild card, and I'm almost hesitant to go down this road with you, Max, but I'm going to go there for one reason, and that is because of the fact that you would love to jump from the Volvo to a Mondial. You want to go to an ex- a genuinely exotic car yeah. and a used exotic car. You cannot do it for thirty grand. not even a Mondial. Mm-hmm. I'm going to double your budget if you're really serious about this. 
at 60 grand, I'll tell you the used exotic you should buy. Okay. And that's a first-gen NSX. Because that car will run. You're absolutely right. Everything you want about the exotic feel of that old Ferrari in something you can get parts for that will run. And you can also work on it. Because under the skin, it's kind of an Accord in a lot of ways. I know it's not an Accord. Don't send me angry letters. But it's similar enough. Mm -hmm. And you could go do just the grocery run in your NSX or just your road trip in your NSX. You have a classic truly exotic car that you as a 24-year-old are not going to go bankrupt trying to get it to go down the block. You spent double your budget to get there, but you would to get a Ferrari anyway. Oof. All right, Max. I'm in big wild card Keep territory. Keep us posted. That, that is an cautious. interesting email. Thank you for writing. Really appreciate it. And that, yeah, whatever you decide. Because that Mondial will cost the same as an NSX, and the NSX is a better choice. I like yes, that idea a that's lot. That's the key thing. If we're really chasing Mondials, the one yeah. you want is going to be every bit of sixty grand. Every bit of that. Yeah. And then I don't know what it needs, but it terrifies me. At a distance, it terrifies me. And I like that car. But the NSX would be like, okay, I spent 60, 70 grand. You know what I'm going to do? I'm going to drive this. Yeah. Cars are made to be driven. And we can't imagine a future without driving cars we really love. Luckily, the folks at Haggerty feel the same way. That's why they support this show. One of the many things Haggerty offers for people who love cars is insurance for their enthusiast vehicles. But that also includes classic cars, trucks, motorcycles, collectibles, and even boats. They also protect raced vehicles off the track and can even insure vehicles on the track for HPDE events and track days. In fact, we use Haggerty Track Day Insurance every time we drive the Cayman and Elise on our local track, and it adds huge peace of mind. Learn more about Haggerty and quote insurance at haggerty.com slash everyday driver. On Instagram, the real brochacho says it seems like all his favorite cars, based off of looks or sound or specialness, come only with an automatic transmission. Mm. Hmm. However, he absolutely loves driving manual and feels like he's in complete control of shifting and everything else that makes it so fun. Okay. Well, absolutely. That's yeah. why we all love manuals. But his question is, is it worth the sacrifice to own a car he really wants to not get the manual and get it with the automatic, mm-hmm. or will he always be longing for a manual transmission? The answer is, brochacho. You will always be longing for a manual transmission. <laughs> Thank you for writing. Good to have you listening. Well, that's because, yes, you can get into one of your dream cars for probably less money because they're not mm. as popular, but you will always have that, ah, I wonder about that. Mm. I'm just not sure. Look, the automatic on a 928 was built by Mercedes, and it makes the car faster off the line. My my car is not that fast off the line. I mean, sure, it's kind of yeah. slow. I'm kind of, you know, people behind me are like about to drive into the trunk. But the manual transmission just makes it so interesting and engaging. Mm-hmm. And it's not even one of the good Porsche manual transmissions from later on. Mm. It's okay, but it's not that great. But it's a manual, and I love shifting, and I love that character that it gives the car. Yes, the automatics, if you aren't able to drive manual transmission from, from a physical standpoint, get the automatic. I mean, that's where the sweet spot is. Mm. But for you, I think you will be longing for that manual. By the way, I just, because we do this while we're actually on the podcast, I did pull up listings of NSXs, first-gen NSXs. Oh, did you? We've been talking here. <laughs> I'm curious. And some of them are, way, they used to be, they had, they had dropped like 50 four or five years ago. And, 50, and a good one was like 60, 65. And the best <sighs> one on the planet was 80. Okay, that whole thing has climbed twenty grand. You can still get them for like sixty add to seventy. Twenty grand to all of those levels. You can still get oh. them for sixty to seventy. But here's what's blowing my mind: I have a Zanardi edition in front of me. Oh that was gosh. the special edition. Yeah, it was like it was 57, 99, Z- 99 Zanardi okay. edition. Fifty-seven thousand miles. You want to guess? 
This is not bring a trailer. This is just it's currently listed on Auto Trader. Hundred and seventy five grand. That's a special car, what? but is it a hundred and seventy five grand special? What? That is hard to swallow. Okay, sorry. Holy moly. Brief, brief uh, side note there. Just be careful, Max. Shocked. I'm just saying, be careful. John on Facebook says, what are our thoughts on Dodge Vipers? Pros, cons, have we ever talked about them? We have talked about them a few times. We had one in discussion actually recently on a podcast. I forget uh, which podcast it was, but it was recently. This is the Lotus Elise for muscle car guys. What I'm saying is it is a niche upon niche car. Mm-hmm. The Viper is a big, brutal engine. I've driven one. I've driven one on track. They are brutal, big, angry cars. It's like you want the muscle car, big truck mentality in a track beast. That is the opposite of what I gravitate toward. It doesn't mean they aren't crazy fast and setting records and the ACRs were brutal. Yeah. But you have to find a specific buyer in the same way that I don't recommend a Lotus Elise to everyone. I love it and won't shut up about it, clearly. But I can't recommend it to most people I come across. The Viper is the rare person that we rarely have a person that converges, and I just think, you know what you need? You need a Viper. <laughs> Do you need floating rotors for because street driving? It's, because it's a lot of car. It is a yeah. big, yeah. angry car. And so a lot of times, people that would be close to a Viper, what they actually want is a Corvette. Mm-hmm. They don't really want the brutalness of a Viper, but they are very, very cool. So I don't want to uh, discount them at all. MD Schwering says, this seems like an obvious question, but what do we think about the Chrysler 300? Mm. It seems like an interesting option manufactured under probably the worst brand in the automotive world. Mm, Okay, okay, I'll give you that. He says the V8 is especially tantalizing in the less than $25,000 market. We wanted to get our opinions on it. Mm. Well, if I'm not mistaken, that particular car has foundations from the Daimler Chrysler era when that were, there was some E-Class platform sharing, I believe it was. Well, I mean, we're talking about the from luxury that, version that of, relationship. of the Charger is essentially what we're dealing with. Well, it is. And if that interests you and you enjoy being in it and it fits the budget and it fits what you need in your life, mm-hmm. we absolutely encourage that. But just know going in that that was from the sedan thinking era when it's not a driver's car. It's, True. It's a kind of a budget, get into luxury, get into some amenities that make you feel like mm-hmm. you're in a higher level, you know, higher class of car. And it's a big, heavy car. Mm-hmm. It's not going to do sports car things. It's going to do long road trip, comfortable things yeah. very, very well. Yeah, yeah. Like I said, you know, from a parking standpoint, it's a big car. But from a road trip standpoint, you'll love it. It's very comfortable. So you have to decide what, what it is you're looking to get out of this, not just, hey, they're cheap. I should get that. What do you want out of your car driving experience mm-hmm. first before you really consider them? Because they're, like I said, large, heavy platform. And for road trips, they drive well. But other than that, we don't talk about them a whole lot. Even yeah. though back when it first came out, Snoop Dogg said, that car is going to be the car at SEMA. And he was right. <laughs> so random. And it was because of proportions. Yeah. Nobody had seen those tall body side to very narrow yeah window openings mm-hmm. that was completely different at the time from everything other yeah, other sedans right. were doing. Right. And he was right. People were turning them into miniature Bentleys. Yeah, they were. And it was this, you know, it, it was, was a gangster car. Cool car. It, totally it was. was. Yeah. It was. But that era, interestingly, is very much in the past and you'll feel it mm. in the mechanics. Mm, interesting. I 
agree with that. On Facebook, James Miller says he'd like to come to our Utah meetup, which will happen sometime in September. I should remind you real quickly, we are going to be in Austin at the end of February at the Austin Radwood. We'd love to have you there. There's a meetup around that. You can find it on our website. Go to the Adventure tab of the website. You can find the information on Austin. All of the information and opening of registration for pilgrimage this year is coming very soon, probably open up in early March for a trip happening around July 4th. So keep that in mind. And then there will be a Utah meetup sometime around September. And James is saying, I'd love to come. But the only thing he could bring on the meetup would be his motorcycle, Mm. 750cc motorcycle. Is that okay? Are bikes not allowed? This is the question. James, we've never had anybody join us on one of those trips on a bike. The... The bigger question I have for you is, are you comfortable in this scenario? Because Mm -hmm. we're talking about 20-plus cars traveling in close proximity at speed, and you are the lone bike. I don't know that that's the best choice. Mm -hmm. I'm not going to say don't come. Oh, yeah. But I'm just going to say you're you're a totally different animal than everybody else in the train, okay? So I want to encourage you and anybody else out there, if you would like to come on the Utah meetup, if you don't have the right car, if you're coming from way out of state, many people have flown in and turrowed interesting cars in our local area and taken them on the trip, and that's actually worked out really well. Yeah, and from the twisty standpoint, a lot of time we would just slow down and enjoy the landscape. I mean, of course, we're enjoying the road, but we're not attacking it. There's some parts of the road, well, sure, we'll get after it. But other times, we just want to see scenery, and we're just kind of cruising through the landscape and being a part of it and enjoying. So Mm -hmm. it just kind of depends on on what you like. But absolutely. You Know Nothing Flow asks, what model variant that we didn't get the U.S. that was sold elsewhere we wish that were here? Everyone seems to go crazy for what they can't have. Isn't that the case? He gives examples of Honda Fit shuttles and Chevy SS Utes and that kind of thing. Yeah, wagons are high on the list, mm-hmm. but I got to start with the Renault R5. Oh. The R5 Turbo and then okay. what that's turned into from the hot French manufacturers or the the hot cars that they've done. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Specifically that Alpine A110. That's way yeah, up there on the list. That one should have come here. I mean, I know it's a very hyper niche car, you know, very few buyers, but I think that would have I can't say that. I don't know that it would have done well. It probably would but have I done. I wished it were here. Yeah, about as well as the Alpha 4C, which was not great, but they did get bought. But I also suspect that the Alpine would have been something that people would have liked over time more than the 4C. Yeah. I, I think agree it's one of those. Because yeah. I, I think the 4C is tough if you bought it just for your show off commute car, even though it does that fine. Mm-hmm. It's very tough if you bought it as your track car because it's not reliable enough. Over and over time, every lap it acts a little bit different. So that's not great. For, but it is awesome on Pacific Coast Highway, and you're driving at seven tenths, and that's great. Yeah. But I think something like an Alpine might have stolen some Cayman customers because it's different and would yeah. have been nice to be in. I like, like that one a lot. That would have been great. Which is why people buy Maseratis. It's different. Yes. Are you sure? <laughs> How different do you really need to be? That's the scary part. Rescue Pet Motorsports says that 996911s, now those are the late 90s, really early 2011, like 96 to 04 or something like that. The 996911 prices have climbed to the point where a decent one is just over $30,000. Would we consider one? over the brand new GR86, which loaded out is going to be just over $30,000. As much as chance will yell at me, no. <laughs> I would not get that generation in a, a 996, 911. The, watch our 50 years of 911. That is, the 996 is a fantastic sports car. It's not a definitive 911, which is one of its problems, but it's a fantastic sports car. But it also has an interior that has aged quite poorly 
Mm. So you're comparing that to a car that's going to have all the benefits of brand new. I feel like when you buy an old car, we're dealing with this right now with our cars of the past. You buy an old car, if the interior is kind of interesting to be in, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You, you give it a little bit more of a free pass. If the interior is bad, then I think you're more aware of all of the old carness of it. All yeah, of the, yeah. the squeaks and the rattles and the weird stuff yeah. because you're sitting in a place that feels really dated. And the 996 suffers from that. It really does. <laughs> Revs Up asks, after the last two episodes of season 10, what are the latest plans for both of our transmissions on our cars of the past? <laughs> Let's not ruin the whole story. That piece is coming to YouTube too, soon as well, but keep going. We do have repairs and what has gone into the cars and kind of what we're thinking. But... To be honest, good fluid will limp things along for a good while. Mm. So I have 75W90 redline transmission fluid in the the transaxle, and it's definitely helped. Apparently, I need to consider an NS designation, like a a special recipe of both the redline, same weight, but there's an NS. You've got to be kidding. And and I need to drain about two quarts of it out and then put this other in. Guess where Paul's head's at right now. shifting, better shifting. But then Dan Gleason says, do our cars live up to the fond memories that we have of them? That's what this whole series is about. Mm-hmm. I mean, we've only done the West Coast trip. I will tell you this. The West Coast trip, it exists in two pieces on Motor Trend. It exists in two pieces on Amazon Prime and Vimeo, which is available now. It's coming as a single piece with a what happened after the trip add-on to YouTube in a few weeks. And I'm very excited for all of you to see that piece and to share it because it's going to be really fun in that one big piece format. Then we are going to have a mechanical update piece before we drop our next road trip. Mm-hmm. And I feel mm-hmm. like the, and I'm only speaking for me here, but I feel like the nostalgia has been deep on that car initially getting into it. And I'm past it now. I'm past the nostalgia and I'm just to, do I like this car now? Mm-hmm. And I'm enjoying it quite a bit. And I'm, and I'm, I'm feeling in me that transition between I bought it because I, oh, I had one and I always wanted one like this and we need it for the show and that's really cool and I can't believe I had it. And that is wearing off. Okay, And I'm getting okay. back now to just, this is a car I have right now with experiences right now. And I'm enjoying that quite a bit. Okay. But the, the, lesson, the ongoing lesson for me is, it's a 30-year-old car. Yeah. Am I yeah. an old car guy or not? Separate of all the nostalgia, do I like this world? It's fascinating. And we're doing the, the exact wrong thing in most people's estimation. <laughs> Buy an old car, drive it a lot. Yeah. There's so much more coming. Yeah, for sure. That'll be covered. But... Dan, I noted jumping into the 928 again after not being with it for a couple of months, teaser, Yeah, that it's a car I'd rather be in than most cars on the road. Ooh, that's deep. For, that's, for, that's impressive. For other reasons, too. But I, I love new cars. I love all the cars. But mm-hmm. there, there's more on that coming. And finally, Peter, are you there? Hey, Peter, what do you think? What do we think about the minimum ground clearance needed for a winter daily? And he knows. Winter tires, yes. Uh-huh. Definitely a few inches. I mean, there's one thing to go plowing through lightly fresh fallen snow and your front splitter is just kind of carving things out of the mm-hmm. way. It's another to hit some chunks in the road or, yeah. you know, maybe the roads are clear and dry and it's just cold out. At least four to five inches of ground clearance, I'd say. I, I mean, that's I like, just say bring the sports car. I just, just bring it. I mean, yes, it just... <laughs> The front end is going to get torn up. It is. Sadly you know, true. You're going to hit ice chunks. You're going to get into it. But it's fun to be in a sports car when you've got that low center of gravity. I mean, you can't be you know one or two inches. You'll 
definitely hit stuff and you'll we, regret we don't, it. We don't but recommend you take your stanced car on a winter fun yeah. drive. That's true, yes. I'll say at least three to five inches, somewhere in that but range. But that's pretty and, much most sports cars out there. Exactly. Yeah. But leave them on you know, stock suspension and, and you should be fine. But there, we've all seen the uh, the clips of really low sports cars getting stuck in snow. It's like, well... Or getting stuck on driveways. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> what were you thinking? Anyway, guys, thank you so much for all your questions. We really appreciate it. Always looking forward to next time. And that uh, Cars of the Past pieces. It's going to be fun. It's I'm, be I'm really cool. excited to have that on YouTube. And when it does come out, please share that. Yeah, we'd love for you to watch it again because it is going to have extra stuff in it. And it, it's a different piece to watch it all in one. It has a different cadence, which I really, really like. Please remember, coming up next podcast on Thursday night, it'll be 9 p.m. Eastern, 6 p.m. Pacific. We are going to do a live stream on the Test Drive Videos channel on YouTube. So please join us for that. It will be all of your questions for about an hour. Make it a great day. Cheers, everyone.